This is Ephesians four seventeen to 32. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no, no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Wow. Lots of good stuff about what God is doing in the youth. And, you know, I was blessed myself. Just we never know what they're going to share. And hearing what they are sharing this morning, you can hear God at work and transforming and working in their lives. And this morning, we want to talk a little bit about how, how does this transformation happen? And one of the things that I was thinking about was the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, we all know, was originally known as Saul. And he went under, underwent a transformation process that was amazing. And we want to realize that that same kind of work happens in us. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 is, is on his way to the road, on the road to Damascus to, with letters to the, persecute the church in Damascus, to imprison them and to maybe even murder them. He had done many awful things. And on the way, in that moment, when he is on the road to Damascus, God shows up and completely transforms his life. So much so that he becomes Paul and he writes a great part of the New Testament. And so this morning in our passage, we're going to look at the passage in Ephesians And before we do, I want to just take a moment and open with prayer here. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who transforms us and makes us new. And Father, as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would speak by the power of your spirit. And Father, may our lives be transformed increments at a time, one step at a time of faith, that we might reflect your glory more and more each and every step of the way. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I had Landon read starting in uh, verse 17 because the Apostle Paul oftentimes 
reminds his readers of where they were and what their original position was. Uh, Earlier in the book of Ephesians, he says we were far off. We were away from God. We had moved ourselves away from God through sin. And in this first passage here in verses 17 through 19, he notes a number of things here. He says, I say and testify in the Lord, you should no longer live as the Gentiles or unbelievers live. In the futility of their thoughts, their thinking is darkened, their understanding is darkened. They're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. They became calloused and gave themselves over to promiscuity and for the practice of many kinds of impurity with desire for more and more. You know, one of the statements that pops out to me there is the hardness of their hearts. And you know, when we're trying, when we're working in relationship with God, that's one of the things that the Spirit of God is working in us to transform is a hardness of heart, softening our hearts, because we can easily harden our hearts and resist the work of what God wants to do in our lives. But he invites us to not stay in that place. He invites us to come to know the Lord. And one of the, what he says here is in verse 20, but not that, that is not how you came to know Christ. And one of the things that I was thinking about was this idea of knowing, and one of the students mentioned it, that you can know God, you can know a lot about God. And you see, that's what the Apostle Paul was experiencing when he was on that road to Damascus. He knew a lot about God, but he hadn't met God. And he didn't know him experientially and the work of God at that point. And so one of the words that I love in, there's two words in Spanish that I love, saber and conocer. Saber is to know about. It helps us understand that, my, that understanding of knowing about something. And we can know a lot about the Bible. We can know it forwards and backwards. But then there's the word conocer, which is used to describe knowing someone or knowing a place experientially. And that's what happens when we come, what he's talking about here is that's not how you came to know Christ. You came to know him in a greater way. And so as we look at this further, he says that we came, we heard about him and we were taught about him. You see, everybody starts somewhere in their, in their journey with the Lord. And oftentimes it, hear, it starts with hearing or seeing something happening in someone else's life. And then it moves on, and he says that you came to know, know the truth is in Jesus. And when we come to know the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came, he, stepped out, he was God who stepped out of heaven into this world, into his creation, in order that he might redeem us and to set us right with Christ, with God, to take us on friendly terms with God again, to give, bring us into relationship with him. Then begins the transforming work that God does in our lives. And at first, he says here, to take off the former way. There is a putting off of the old, the old way of life, the old things that we knew. And for Paul, the Apostle Paul, he had a lot of things that he knew that he had to put off. Pride, arrogance, his religious training, 
all of his family history, his lineage, all of those things that he says in uh, Philippians chapter 3, I count them as rubbish compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. There's a lot of things that have to be put off in our life. And as some of you students mentioned, some of it's music, some of it's different things that we participate in that we need to put off so that we can then put on the new life that God, has, that God has for us and that he wants to do in our life. And in verse 23, he says, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. There's a change of mind that has to happen. And, that, and so as we continue here, we see that he, there's, there's a hearing, there's a knowing, there's, a, there's an experiencing, this putting off and a putting on and a changing of the spirit of our mind. And as we continue, Paul gives several examples of ways that we put off behaviors and things that change. And I want you to notice these here. He tells us that we put off lying so that we put on speaking the truth. We put off anger in the sense that we have anger, but we don't act out in our anger in a way that causes us to sin. One of the things I find interesting about that is that he doesn't tell us don't have the experience, don't have the feeling of anger. He says don't act out, don't sin in your anger. Because we, do, we are people who feel and experience lots of different things in this life. And then he moves on to stealing. And he tells those that steal, stop stealing, put it off, take it off in order to put on working that you might save money and have money to buy and to share with those who are in need. And then finally, he says, no foul language is to come out of your mouth. We put off the language and we put on words that speak grace and truth to one another. You see, all of these things here is talking about how we relate to one another. And earlier in the passage of Ephesians, he, in, in the book of Ephesians, he talks about how we are being built together as the body of Christ, being knit together to be the temple of God. And so as we continue here, one of the verses that stuck out, struck me as I was reading this about a year and a half to two years ago was verse 31. And it says this, Let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you. Some of your translations will say, will say, uh, put it away from you or get rid of it. But the ESV and the CSB use this word of letting it be removed or let it be put away from you. And that, when I read that, it grabbed my attention because oftentimes we can easily put on new behaviors for a time and a season. But God wants to do so much more. He wants to change our heart and bring about heart change in each one of us. And when it says, let it be removed, I started wondering, well, who does the removing? Because that's not me putting it away. It's something greater than I doing the removing. And if you look in verse 30, it says, Do not grieve God's Holy Spirit, for you were sealed by by him 
for the day of redemption. See, it is the work of the Holy Spirit to remove these things in our lives and to deepen the transforming work into our heart that these things are taken away from us and new life is begun in him through the Spirit of God. Sometimes I think as Christians, we focus on a lot of what we do, reading the Bible, praying. Those are all great things that we need to be doing as believers. But sometimes, sometimes I think we forget about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the fact that he is present, that he has given the Spirit to us as a seal, as a promise, as a guarantee, as a down payment for what is to come. And when we walk with the Spirit, life begins to change and we begin to experience the depth of God's grace and love in our lives. I was recently reminded of a passage in 2 Kings chapter 6 where Elisha is camped and his servant one morning gets up and he goes out. And as he goes out, he sees the army of Aram the Aramean army, surrounding them. And he comes back in terrified. Elisha, Elisha, we're surrounded. There's no way out. And Elisha, as you read the, as you read the passage, is calm and he simply prays, God, open his eyes to see. And as the servant of Elisha goes out, his eyes are opened, and he sees the chariots of fire, the Lord's army surrounding the army that had come against them. And the reason why that comes to my mind is sometimes I think we need to realize the, what is happening, that there is more to this life that, and just the, what, the physical that we see, that there is a spiritual battle going on, and that God has given us his Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, transforming us to be a part of this battle. Many years ago, uh, a friend of mine, my college roommate, he, we were in a Bible study, and he, he said this statement, and it, and it really stuck, stood out to me. He said, you know, if we could pause for a moment and God could help us to see into the spiritual realm around us, to see us in the spiritual realm, that in that moment, we would fall down in worship. And he followed it up saying, not worship of us and what we're capable of or what we have done, but in worship of the very presence, the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And when we talk about this transforming work of God in our lives, it is the power of the Holy Spirit who really goes deep into our hearts and begins to change us. And Paul notes that here in verse 32, where there's a change that begins to happen. And it says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. You see, we start putting on compassion. We start putting on love. We start caring for the people around us. We start seeing people the way God sees us and sees them. 
And when that happens, true transformation takes place. The Spirit of God does a lot of different things in our life. In John 14, 26, he says that he is the counselor, the comforter, and that God has sent him to, to comfort us. In John 16, 13, it says that he leads us into all truth and righteousness. He guides us. He helps us to understand what the truth is and the ways we can go. And when you contrast that to verses 17 through 19, you can see a dramatic difference where our eyes are open, our hearts are softened and come alive, no longer pushing away the work of God. When it says, do not grieve God's Holy Spirit, it means that we are not to sadden him by pushing him away or to continue in sin or to, to resist his work. And so we have an opportunity to offer ourselves to God and the work that he wants us to do. If you would, just turn in your Bibles just a couple pages over to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, and we'll see a little bit more about the work of God's Holy Spirit. And before we jump there, I'm going to grab Romans chapter 8, where he talks about the Spirit sets us free. Romans chapter 8 says this, There's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What the law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering in order that the law's requirements might be fully fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Then I say, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, desire, for the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what, against, what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, God is inviting each one of us to walk with the Spirit, to listen to the Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. I can tell you that this has become even more of a reality, and it came as more of a reality when Jenny was going through uh, her surgeries. There were many nights where in the midst in the midst of all of the chaos that I couldn't sleep. But there was sweet fellowship and communion with the Spirit of God, just talking and praying with Him as He carried me along in the midst of those circumstances. Over the weekend at camp, it was really awesome to see. Saturday night's worship service was really good. And at the end... They were inviting students and leaders to allow God to work in them. And, what, and it was awesome to see our students responding to what God was doing. And as I sat there, I couldn't help but just pray. And God was reminding and calling me to pray for individual students one at a time about specific things to pray for them. And it was just awesome to be a part of that. And when we realize that there is this presence of God dwelling in us and he wants to work in and through us in a powerful way to impact the lives of each other and to care for one another, 
and to continue to grow deep in our relationship with him, it changes the way we look at things. And in verse 22 of chapter 5 of Galatians, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit produces fruit in us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as we continue to grow in our walk with the Lord and through the work of the Holy Spirit, we see that he begins to put, bring about these, these fruits of the Spirit. We begin to yield fruit. And I can tell you that as we know God more and as we are deeper in relationship with him, the compassion that we start having for one another because of what he has done begins to grow and continues to grow. And this morning, I want you to consider with me, as a church body, what, would be, what will happen as we offer ourselves to God and to the work of the Holy Spirit as we continue to move forward. You know, we, we created a, a purpose statement this last year, sharing Jesus, growing together, and impacting our world. And one of the things that it says in Ephesians 2.21 is that we are being built together for God's dwelling by the Holy Spirit. And when I think about the body of Christ, when I think about the youth group and God's Spirit working in us, He knits us together, He pulls us together and builds us up. Each one of us has been given different strengths and different abilities for the sake of the body to help us to grow together. And so as we think about that, and the purpose statement that we have here at Grace Bible Church, there's the growing together by the work of the Spirit. And we begin to share Jesus with one another and with the world around us. When the world sees this transforming work in our lives, it testifies to the goodness and the grace of God. And one of the things that it says in Ephesians 3.10 that really stood out to me as well is that this is so that God's multifaceted wisdom may now be made known through the church to rulers and authorities in the heavens. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And when you think about that, his purpose is through the church to display his glory through the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in us. It becomes a powerful thing to think about and how God may use us then to impact our world. Both the world around us, in our community, at our workplaces, and also across the globe. As we send missionaries, as we support missionaries, the different opportunities God, that God may give us as we move forward. As, as we move forward, though, what is our job? Our job is, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Offer ourselves, present ourselves to him, and allow him to continue to transform and renew our minds that we might reflect his glory to the world around us. So as we continue, as you continue to go about your week this week, guys, youth, I encourage you to review the notes that you took and review and remember the experiences that you had at camp because those are moments when God did some work in your life. And those, those areas, God will continue to remind you as you grow. And I want to encourage you to offer yourselves to God and his work. Would you pray with me?
Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Father, you did not leave us alone in this world as orphans, but Father, you give us your presence. You came to dwell among us and you gave us your Spirit to work in us. And Father, I pray that we would offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, and that, Father, our worship would be glorifying to you. Father, we do pray that as a church that you would continue to grow us in the word and in the understanding of who you are, and that, Father, we would experience you at work here as we continue to trust you by faith one step at a time. Father, we thank you again for your word and the power that is at work in us. In Jesus' name, amen.